Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Reinsurance Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jared Lee. And I'm Ben Rose. And today, we have two fabulous guests with us from Howden. We have Michelle Tu, uh, the head of business intelligence and also the creator of Nova, which we're going to hear all about uh, in today's episode. And also, uh, we have David Flandreau, who is the head of analytics and also pioneered the legendary DuPont method of analyzing companies with... Uh, the Wharton Business School back in 2008, but I'm sure we'll hear a lot about that as well. As as you probably know, we've we've got, we're going to dive deep into the world of analytics on this episode, and I couldn't think of two more respected and, and equally famous on the internet now uh, <laughs> analytics experts as as the two of you. So welcome and thank you so much. That's what I always wanted to do when I grew up. <laughs> be on our podcast or yes. analytics now both two birds with one stone just genuinely yeah perfect so i guess if we dive right in when we think about like everyone talks about the importance of data and what we you know how we leverage it to make the business decisions but from from each of you at a very high level how do you how will you how would you define analytics mm -hmm. in in the sort of lens of reinsurance should i kick off i'll start with analytics and then michelle you can Talk more about data. Yeah, I'd like to talk more about the, the new analytics in terms of the data-driven analytics versus the traditional analytics of insurance, which is like CAT and BIM, Etro, mm. all super important bread and butter stuff. But there's there's analytics as people know it, and then there's like data-driven analytics. So yeah, go ahead. That's right. So in the reinsurance business, I would say almost 30 years ago now, we started incorporating analytics. There was cat modeling, particularly after Hurricane Andrew, but not just Hurricane Andrew. And that I think that might have been analytics 1.0. Mm -hmm. These are superficial distinctions, obviously. <laughs> Sometime in the early 2000s, um, we got DFA modeling, which basically, you know, Monte Carlo simulations, throwing little dots or lasers at distributions, if you will, doing statistical regressions and, and building economic capital models to try to model insurance companies. That was a technology. Um, and we, we got some some very fabulous tools for the time that um, became part of that story. There have been other things that, that have been easy shortcuts in, in the interim, but really I think in the last five to seven years, just like with everything else, there's been a, a real sea change. Actually, I forgot, to, I forgot to mention spatial analysis. Spatial analysis was a cool technology that came along in the late aughts, early teens. But but really data is something that has become ubiquitous and prevalent in reinsurance analytics in the last five to seven years. And specifically, I mean, data is a word that we all say. We all, we've all been saying this word. AI or machine learning are words that we can say. The thing about data that Michelle and I have learned over the last two to three years is that it requires um, careful collection it requires careful auditing, and it requires people um, who understand the data and can convey it. You need uh, data scientists, data engineers, and um, data translators. You need all three of those people in the same room to create a data set that's useful. So what we have now, um, I would say outside of the US, and particularly in Howden, we have proprietary data sets for claims, buyer behavior, and pricing, and Michelle has terminology of her own. But what that means is we can now look at pricing in individual business lines on a like-for-like -like basis going back over a long period of time that is updated uh, very frequently and homogeneously. 
Now, that, that might not sound like much, but once you get outside of the U.S. where you have the Yellow Book and the CIAB surveys and Market Scout, the ubiquity and homogeneity of that type of data is quite low. And with Nova, um, Business Intelligence and Michelle have really changed that. Can you tell us a bit about Nova, Michelle? I'm sure everybody's really excited to hear you know, where that came from and, and what it does. So essentially what Nova does and part of the inspiration to that is um, an exploration actually is to a save time because there is a lot of unreadable data um, that is just very hard to digest for the average person in our industry mm -hmm. to be able to gather insights in what is literally five to ten seconds um, in a user-friendly format so you know heavily in the 80s and the 90s everyone really looked at Bloomberg and as a sort of read across by by um by sector and you know some people looked at probably shouldn't say different companies names but you know there's been tremendous efforts to try to gather all of the different information points um and you know a lot of our especially consulting time when you know our clients want to understand data a lot of the time spent are people collecting data mm. and everyone is doing the same thing you, you know everyone's collecting the same data yeah. from the million data sources out there. Is there a go-to place to gather all of this, you know, that's updated? The answer is no. Mm -hmm. If there is, then, you know, that requires a massive team to do so. Um, you know, are they, are they, you know, up to date with the, you know, with our technology and how to do it most efficiently? No. So there's a few barriers that hope Nova, you know, hopefully aims to address it's the coverage, the quick insight, but also using the technology to make data, um, you know, available, or sort of homogenous, so it's yeah. a read across, not only in the US, but globally. Yeah. Um, I'll give you some examples um, that are really quite pertinent, especially now that we've built Nova and that we're using it every day. If you, and Michelle mentions Bloomberg, there are other terminals like that in capital markets. We've had them for a very long time. I still barely remember Quotron terminals. Wow, that's embarrassing. But um, the point is, is there, does this, ex or has this existed in insurance? And the answer is no. You can look at all of the statutory filings. Um, you can get service providers to send those to you. They even have financial models outside of the US. The problem is they're heterogeneous. So and this is a kind of finance geek stuff here, so forgive me, but are we dividing the expense ratio by net premiums earned or net premiums written? Are we adding ancillary income to the loss ratio or not? Every European operating entity has a slightly different answer to that question. Certainly if you get into the MENA region or into Asia, it's a slightly different answer. So that's number one. And that's one of the first innovations that, that Michelle has created in Nova is that you've got uh, currently 160 trying to get to 200 plus perfectly homogenous financial models of Lloyd syndicates and insurers that are perfectly reconciled. So if you want to compare yourself, you know, what's the last five years of my loss ratio compared to everybody else and what's the volatility on the y-axis, you can compare it with the click of the button and be confident that the information are exactly right. And you can do that with so many metrics. I mean, there's 20 different metrics that Michelle has built in that you can do at your fingertips. So that's one big innovation. It's homogeneity of data. That's public data. Another huge innovation is price. You know, if if you want to know what the, um, to, you know, if you want to know what the 
uh, 5-1 arm for Washington County, Utah is doing today, you can go on Bloomberg and find out what it's trading at right now. If you want to know what's happening in the marine hull market, um, you can go down to the pub and talk to your mates. You can try to do a <laughs> renewal. You can try to place something, and then maybe you can kind of figure it out and triangulate. The, the, the second innovation, maybe this is the first innovation of Nova, is that we are we have historical data that's risk-adjusted for pricing for multiple different business lines. And Michelle can tell you the number of business lines. I think it's tens of business lines. But then every single uh, two weeks or every month, depending on the line of business, we're pulling in the MRC slips and we're automatically updating the price index. Not every quarter, but more frequently. And that's that's an innovation as well. So if you want to compare, how's the aviation market in Europe doing? I don't know why you want to do this. Compared to the DNO market, or yeah. how's aviation doing compared to marine in Russia affected lines, mm. Russia Ukraine affected lines? You can do that now, and you can look at Howden's proprietary data for pricing, buyer behavior, and claims in addition to the full homogeneity of all those financial models, and it's in there. And to my knowledge, it's the only industry source that amalgamates all of that stuff, and it's always building. We're always building and improving and adding more. And so that is really quite valuable for strategic discussions. If you're looking for white spaces, you know, where am I writing and what's the profitability of that relative to things that I could be writing? If you want to use it as an underwriting tool, it's it's quite useful in terms of comparisons. You know, who are my five closest peers and who's performing better and, and why? Um, these are analyses that Michelle and I have done for over a decade together. Uh, it's always bespoke. It's always qualitative. Now we can do it homogeneously and quantitatively, and it's it's a it's a whole new world. The, the The real work, in addition to building the software, was building the data, and this is something that I don't think everybody understands. You have to build the data set. You can't just have um, different pools of data that are somehow magically transformed by AI at least not in our sector, you have to have analysts going through and curating the data. And once you've done that, then you can do the automation on a go forward basis, but it takes a huge amount of work up front. And that's why the build out has been so successful and extraordinary. Absolutely. And, and, and Jared and I are smiling and nodding a lot here because we've had firsthand experience of grappling with data in you know, previous roles and things elsewhere, but trying to bring similar formats together or, or trying to consolidate between different currencies, different measures of net and grace and, and similar, as you said, it is really painstaking. And as you said, Michelle, everyone's doing it in their own firms at the moment. Mm -hmm. And just think about like just, the just, the, just the national regulators, even if you just want to look at the national level, every national regulator is different. All of the regulatory filings, I think you've got G20 plus some of your favorites, they're all in there for everything that's reported. I, I think you you address one of the really important challenges our industry faces. And when we, we've talked previously on other episodes about one of the things holding reinsurance back is the fact that at, as the reinsurers try to understand what a risk is, they're left with sort of the lowest common denominator of data. As you said, David, like if, if, I'm, if I'm receiving submissions and it's always coming in various different forms, it's hard for me to build sophisticated models because there's nothing homogenous about what my submissions and things look like. But it sounds like as you tackle the sort of data standardization, you're beginning to sort of build models by which you can compare, you know, like on like different data sets and with different clients and other things, you're beginning to introduce now a world where all manner of additional innovation can emerge because we can begin to build models knowing that, well, if you give me any syndicate, I can put it through my model because unlike previously where 
the basis of premium may be different than any given submission or, or similar, I have a, an ability now to, like Bloomberg has done, take consistent components of data and build my own pricing tools and insights around that to understand the risk. So I think it's that starting problem with getting the data in a consistent and high enough quality position mm -hmm. that people can do more with. And I think it unlocks a huge amount of innovation in future there. So it's, as you said, like tackling that data piece is a super important, critical first step. I think it's definitely the read across. Like one thing that I've learned from looking at how many annual reports is, and I know that you guys did a pod podcast on accounting, mm -hmm. that, you know, accountants, insurance accountants can be really creative. You know, there is, I don't want to say there's been a lot of creative accounting, but there's a lot of creative accounting. In the in the most benign possible sense is what she's talking about yeah, here. Everything yes. that's yeah. <laughs> Yes. Indeed. You know, yeah. there's no change of audit opinion. It's all been good. Yeah, right. You know, everything is above line, IFRS stated, <laughs> of course. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things that we've tried to do, and this is what we dif differentiate between data collection and analytics, is Nova, the platform, tries to take the unbiased out right yeah. so what that do, what that what i mean is you know it's really interesting when i look at earnings report and you know like oh beat this etc you know we're over our 10-year average of this you're like okay when you've selected your peers mm -hmm. and you've selected you know who you look better against so yeah of course you look good but you take you, to do your own analysis and this is where analytics is is you know, you want to choose your own peers um, or you want to choose who, you know, have, it does write large in that line of business because Nova will tell you that and then create your own set and then that, and then, you know, see that read across the, against that. And because our financial models are built from us, that that read across becomes, you know, clean and fair because we've taken that you know, sort of, uh, I would say, creative accounting out subjectivity. of it. Yeah. Subjectivity, exactly. Yeah. That's right. So so it, it really is, the tool itself allows you to do that. And again, it's the way that Michelle and the team have designed it. It's at your fingertips. So you can actually just select whatever peer group you want, select which metrics you want, click the time frame, and you can be sure that you're getting an exact comparison on, on the metrics that you've selected. And that's really important. Going back to your question about submissions, and um, by the way, if if you're a reinsurer and an, or an insurer and you want to put your data on our platform, call us because the the other ambition, the longer term ambition of Nova, is um, to create a critical mass of data that, in fact, can be used for things like pricing, that can be used for structuring, and that can be used for placing and underwriting. And what I mean by that is um, if you if you look at other capital markets, there's always some notional security when, when you're designing a derivative contract, which is the closest analog in capital markets to reinsurance. So if you have, um, for example, you know, equities or wheat or commodities or whatever it is, and you're designing derivatives around that, you have a data source um, that is uh, not just from one party, but from it's the amalgam of multiple parties trading that create that price, and then people can trade off of that. Now. Reinsurance is highly complex. It's uh, it's in fact much more complex than most derivatives trading. But ultimately, one thing that could happen in the reinsurance sector is that we could start using pricing data 
to securitize risk in a new way for multiple lines of business on a calendar year, not an accident year basis. This is purely theoretical right now to my knowledge, but having a centralized critical mass of data, particularly pricing data, but also crucially claims data, and we do have proprietary triangles in NOVA, mm -hmm. that if we can get enough people to share data anonymously in NOVA, and we can anonymize the data, clearly pursuant to the, the most stringent GDPR standards, mm -hmm. But if we can have, for example, multiple data sources feeding into that marine whole price, and we know that it's valid, and then somebody wants to trade a derivative off of it or create a security with it, that, that I think is the next step in how reinsurance is placed in five or 10 years' time. I don't think it's happening now, but we saw it happen in the derivatives market in the 70s and 80s. Are we that far behind? Yeah. No, I think our product is a lot more complex, but this is something that the likes of Nova and a critical mass of data that's facilitated in Nova could could facilitate. Yeah. And you've seen a bit of this before. You saw it with um, motor claims in the U.S., all the, all the carriers mm -hmm. sort of coming together, per, pooling and sharing their claims data yes. initially to help fight fraud, but you saw a huge amount of value sure. that they all sort of saw what, when they looked at it when actually, if we all put our data in here anonymously, we'll all get better insight. And I do think this industry has had a history of collaborating relatively well. So, you know, a time horizon of five five or so years it doesn't feel unreasonable to get people going you know we'll pool chunks of this data together we'll help find new areas of business our industry is deeply entrepreneurial mm -hmm. and if you make an opportunity where people can go well, if we contribute this thing it's going to open up as you said more white space for us to explore more business opportunities for us to build products into mm -hmm. like there's a huge appeal for people wanting to to contribute to open up more doors and i, I think you'll see a real pulse of that yeah, and I'm, I'm talking about using the data to structure transactions. Mm -hmm. That's one use of it. Um, we, we're already blocking and tackling quite a bit in reinsurance vis-a-vis -vis capital markets without very much data, mm -hmm. or certainly without um, any universal data source. So that's one use of it. But another another use of it, as Michelle explains, is utilizing the pricing and claims data and the, you know, the peer comparison data to find, as you say, white spaces to figure out how and where to underwrite strategically. That's a completely different use of the data. Another strategic use of the data is looking at the up-to-date um, insured catastrophe reporting that's in NOVA, so you can get it earlier than you otherwise would to kind of figure out how things are being affected. Now, much of this happens now in the market through word of mouth, but that's an another use for the data. Um, yet another use is being able to have perfectly consistent financial data for your reinsurer panel so you can better assess counterparty risk in real time if we ever go through another 2008, 2009 moment. So there's that use of the data, but but having it all in one place and being able to use it in that way and use it much more quickly than we did last time around is, is extremely valuable. Absolutely. I'm always very impressed by the Howden business intelligence videos that you put out with all of that <laughs> rich insight and the charts there. I'm trying to get Michelle to do those herself. <laughs> but but they are they are fabulous and I, I really enjoy uh, watching them and, and seeing just how much insight you can get uh, from what you've built and I don't want to under uh, state just how much work must be involved in that <laughs> what, what's it been like building that together from I guess nothing yeah um, so as David said a lot of it is data creation um, is uh, and I think first and foremost the the um, I think inspiration behind the you know the quarterly updates is the the theme that everyone has access to the same data essentially right so anyone can do that type of analysis it's about 
you know, putting some sort of analytics and opinion behind it and using data to support that as you, to explain why you think that. Um, so yes, of course, the data collection happens. You know, we're just about, you know, organizing our Q3 right now. Um, so it, 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 it's so that it's relevant, but ultimately we want it to, um, we want it to matter so that it's actually say, okay, wh what are the so what's behind that? So you're not just feeding through the same graph and the same table mm. and updating that every quarter because that's so boring. And yeah, yeah, it's true. But... Yeah, so we want to make it, the, you know, thematic, topical and relevant to people so that they do care about it. Of course, you know, we've tried to talk about the big things that have happened in the quarter, which is why our charts are different because, mm. I mean, reserving is very important, but it may be more important, you know, during times of inflation versus a few years ago when that probably wasn't as much of a topic I don't think yeah um so yeah I think you hit the nail on the head though with this so what piece I mm -hmm. think a lot of technologists especially will go away and they'll devise or build a thing it's like here's my widget and it's like so what like what is it doing and I think when you start with a business lens of going what are we trying to understand and what are we trying to understand more quickly you're building towards with the so what in mind yeah we have this so that we can now like, mm. you know, and, and I think it's it's such an important step when building any technology is to have this lens of what are we trying to deliver and what is the what are people going to use this thing for? Because it's very easy for people to go like it does this now and, and then no one finds any value from it. Exactly. Because they've actually not started with a real tangible problem to solve. And it sounds like you guys started with the right lens, which is the most important step, I think, in the beginning. It's an iterative process, right? We, we, we started out when, when, when Michelle was um, really drawing up the schemata for Nova. It, it was interesting because we had um, ideas. And I think we hit, we hit the nail on the head with pricing and buyer behavior and claims. And, but there, were page, there are pages in Nova that people use less. Like we have, we have this um, projections page, which is really cool. And so far, I think people use that a little bit less than everything else. But you you have to develop it iteratively, and it has to be developed, um, as you say, pursuant to what um, clients are asking for. So, mm -hmm. if people come to us and say, "Look, I'd really like to have an export function so that I can just download the data, even if it's hard coded," we now have an export function mm -hmm. in Nova. So that that just happens. Um, the, the design of the the way that the other thing to remember is that Nova is a lens through which you can look at all of this data. So we we still haven't built a software platform that's capable of being all things to all people at all times, but the data are behind it. So if you if you want to see the raw data and you're a Nova client, you can have access to that too. It's just that the the platform itself is the the prettiest, most convenient way that we can think of for you to look at, but maybe you can think of a different way and that's fine. And we, we can either put that into the design or just show you the data if you need it this week. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I think just broadly speaking about the definition of analytics as yeah. we're sort of, um, you know, moving along this data journey led is what I find really interesting throughout this whole journey is, you know, you have the business lens, the commercial lens, so to speak, but then of course, none of this would be possible without the guys who understand UI, DAX, API, mm -hmm. the data scientists, mm -hmm. the guys that know nothing about insurance, reinsurance, 
because until you teach them. <laughs> yeah, and then of course I'm learning a lot from them as well because you need to know how to, how they operate um, and vice versa. You know, of course I'm not going to say I know how to write a script, of course. <laughs> But, you know, understanding the end goal. And, and I think it's the, you know. In all seriousness, you, you've become uh, sort of a software developer in the last couple of years. I, um, <laughs> I know your I know your software developer friends won't want to hear that. But compa compared to me, you know, you do know a lot about software development now um, because you've had to. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been an incredible journey. And I think this is what the new definition of analytics and incorporating technology really means is yes, of course, doing the traditional stuff because the bread and butter mm -hmm. is what everyone wants and it's definitely needed and that's not going to go away anytime soon. Yeah. But it's the, the, when we say data analytics, it's making sure that we incorporate the full journey from creation, um, you know, <laughs> development into ultimately showing that into insights yeah. because, you know, all of that is a journey. It's a journey that we as an industry, we're exploring now and we're, of course, we in Howden are, are doing that whole journey um so yeah things don't happen overnight um but it's it's really sort of you know using our agility to make sure that we can navigate through all of that because it hasn't been done in the industry before it's taken time to build but the other thing you just said that was really interesting to me so you're right we started out talking about what is analytic what is that data and analytics or technology and analytics mean in the reinsurance sector 25 years ago i think it mainly meant cat modeling mm -hmm. And a, you know, a bit of computer science. Then I think it meant DFA modeling to some extent, and Monte Carlo simulations and economic capital models and things. And and then it evolved further into spatial analysis and everything else. I think that what Michelle just described, in terms of you know her ability as a financial as a financial analyst to analyze data, is something that that I was able to do ten years ago as a financial analyst. She does it better than me now. But it's not that different. What makes what makes the technology and analytics of the future quite different from what was happening ten years ago is that Michelle is also a de facto software programmer and a financial analyst. And if you, I know she's going to laugh, but if you think about this in, in in terms of actuarial science, right? Some of the formulas that we use in actuarial science um, for triangulation, for example, chain ladder and Lord Netta Ferguson, they are very old. Uh, formulas and the, tried and tested, but they they create a very familiar reserving cycle with which we all we're all familiar. What if actuaries were also um, software programmers? Many of them are, and what if they could um, use algorithms and augmented intelligence to do actuarial projections using software that they designed themselves? And many do, many do mm -hmm. to be fair these days. And that that is really the difference in terms of using data, using programming. And using you know mathematical techniques and theories together to create better projections from what we had before uh, using experienced data. That, and a that, lot of our team yeah. encompasses those with, with the hybrid skills, yeah. where they can look at script code and understand the commercial lens. I know, and that's well, great. And yeah. so yeah, I always think like fifteen years ago. You know, what would I study to code? <laughs> well, I think you see this evolution of what these roles look like. We've talked exactly. about the evolution of an underwriter, mm -hmm. which historically would have been very like matey and a great, you know, great chat, and they could get deal. And now that's it's a much more analytical role. It sounds like we'll see the evolution in a similar lens on the broking side, where it's much more analytics, analytical, much more capable to sort of 
build and write scripts that can take in sources of data, build more fun, um, complex structures and approaches to, to solving risk and using um, tools like you've built to help bring in sources of data to then provide sort of more complex and sophisticated solutions for clients. So I think you'll, you're seeing this sort of step change of what is evolving into much more sort of sophisticated roles within the industry. Yeah. And technology too. Mm. Uh, we've all had our computers upgraded and our memory and our <laughs> because that's not processing the general pivot table as yeah. we normally work with, you <laughs> yeah, know? <exactly>. So. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it makes us wonder, I guess, many of our listeners will be traditional, I will use the word traditional in, in relatively recent terms, uh, brokers and underwriters who rely on relationships, who rely on you know, client familiarity, et cetera, sh should they be panicking or can you see a hybrid team approach? Or? No, the goal here is really simple. Um, Steve Jobs, when he designed this, mm. he said anybody should be able to use it and everybody has a stylus. You know, we all have 10 styluses mm -hmm. on our on our hands. It's the same thing with, um, with data and technology in reinsurance analytics. If, um, certainly if I can't use it and if my broking colleagues can't use it, then it's useless. Yeah. We, it has to be, and that was one of the other ideas behind Nova. If you can use your iPhone, you can use Nova because it's simple enough to use. And, and if you know the data that you want and you can click around, you can probably find it in there. Now, it might take you a few tries, but probably Google took you a few tries the very first <laughs> yeah. time you used it, right? So it, it's that's all it is. And, and, and so, no, I don't think anybody should panic at all because the, what it should do, data and technology should free up underwriters and brokers or it should enable them. Right, rather than slow them down. So that's that's really the goal here, and I think that you're seeing this. The other blending that you're getting, you know, we talked about actuaries and data science and programming and software. The other blend that you're getting is that you know, actuaries and cap modelers and analytics people are not just sitting alongside brokers. In many cases, they are brokers, and and that um, delineation between broking and analytics or underwriting and analytics is almost gone. Mm -hmm. um, that did exist very strongly 15 years ago. But it's starting to you know, blur. Those lines are blurring a lot. And that's a good thing because we want brokers to be able to bring their expertise in. If they're not the most technically savvy people in the world, it shouldn't matter because the technology should come to the table. And then if they are, then they should be able to use that to augment what they're doing. And I think that's what's going to happen. There's a lot of questions that I get asked before Nova, hence the inspiration of Nova, is, oh, can you give me some data to support X, Y, and Z of what I've done? Because I've just said this. And I know it's happening, but I don't have anything to show for that. Like, right, okay, let me draw up some data. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, oh, let me show you how it works in Nova. And then they will then do it themselves, which is great because yeah. they know how to then support the stuff that they say. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like it's said, substantiated pub cleanse, right? It's exactly. like everyone's saying that this thing is happening. Yeah. And I believe it to be true because they're all relatively experts, mm -hmm. relative experts in their space. But this now gives them the tools to say, yep, here's the data that actually backs this up. We're, we're moving much more towards a data, as you said to start, a very data-driven industry. And it has to be more than everyone seems to be saying X, right? It's mm -hmm. now it's like, no, this, if we look at the reports or look at the, all this, the data coming out, like this is in fact happening. Exactly. That's a really important and Of course, I'm talking, we can talk like, you know, tactically on a broking or underwriting for a specific deal. You know, rates are going up. Let's have a look at data so that supports mm -hmm. that. Cool. But of course, we're talking about strategically as well. You know, should I be opening up an office in Asia? Mm -hmm. What's the big bucket size? So, and that's where we talk about the, the ability to be able to accommodate for the everyday decisions yeah. 
but also the high level as well. So, um, so yeah, hopefully that whole analytics piece can be used for, for those multiple purposes. How many times have you paid a broker or a consultant to do a market sizing exercise for you? Please size the accident and health market in Latin America for me and show each region by profitability and give me this information about sessions and, and th you know, and then the I'll, I'll, I'll pay you a fee. <laughs> that, that's, I, I hope that's gone. I hope that what you can do is you just open Nova, you click on Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Colombia, whatever, and the information is just there. Yeah. You just have it right in front of you, and it's, um, it's part of the map. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really valuable because it frees up time to make more important strategic decisions, and it's also more economical for yeah. clients. Absolutely, and, and as you said, it's not just making that data very easy to get hold of, but it's the curation as yeah. well, and, and knowing that it's the correct data, and you're not conflating, you know, two very different metrics that come under the same banner, maybe exactly. that have been presented in a, the you, same way. You can have faith in the data that they've been audited, that they are comparable, that they are homogenous, region by region, company by company. That's that's absolutely crucial. Otherwise, it's true. You're just comparing apples to pears, and at the end of the day you're not seeing anything. Well, and, and when you we started the conversation, David, you took us sort of on a, a, a whistle-stop tour of the history of analytics. This feels like it's the next step, right? When you talk about now, you would never underwrite catastrophe risk without looking at models. Mm -hmm. I can very easily see a world where four or five years from now, it's like you would never do much of this work anymore without first having access to data like what, like what you present in Nova going, this is how we help guide what we do because it... Why would we? Why would we write Florida Cat without a model? Like you, you wouldn't anymore. And I, mm -hmm. I feel this will be the next sort of step of going. This is a, a, a ubiquitous piece of technology, for how we run the business over the next several years. And it becomes a when we talk about this in fifteen years from now, they will have this as being one of the points or by which you saw another sort of sea change where, and then data allowed us to do this, mm -hmm. and then we'll evolve and we'll continue to iterate and we'll have another one. But this feels like one of those big moments. I think that's right. If we achieve enough critical mass, then we really can change the way people are able to see the industry, the way people are able to analyze opportunities, and the way people are able to strategize. We have put our proprietary data on Nova in an anonymized fashion. Again, we want to be the platform of choice for the industry to share its data. So we've we've got a couple of different things in the hopper right now, but we'd like we'd like as many underwriters as possible to share data with us. And if you're amenable, we can create an even bigger data source that could become really valuable industry wide. Yeah, super interesting stuff. Oh, fascinating. I say, is there anything else that you'd like to say to aspiring people who want to get into analytics who maybe haven't got involved so far how, how, do, how do they start you know where do you join the analytics revolution in reinsurance well just just no matter what you do right now you can think of yourself as an analytics person if that's what's interesting to you mm. if you're an underwriter if you're a broker I, like i said those lines are blurring more and more clearly there are people that have the gift of the gab and they're better at <laughs> selling and, you know, those people are always going to be brokers. Everybody's, we're always going to need to have to sell something, right? But if you are analytically minded, you can be in analytics and in broking. You can be in analytics and in underwriting. You can be a data technology and analytics expert and be a really good underwriter. So I don't think that um, the distinctions are as necessary as they maybe once were. That's super, super interesting. And thank you both for your time. This has been a fascinating conversation. I'm sure we're going to 
have a huge amount of followers and shares from this one. So thank you both. It's a pleasure. I hope thank you guys you. are good editors. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thanks.